Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me from across the pond, he's a statesman to my Kingsman, it's John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How are you doing, sir? I am doing okay, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, my friend. We're recording on a different day. It's a bit later, not much later, so I couldn't come up with a relative pun for the film of the week so i went back to the try and trusted with the statesman and my kingsman but i'm doing really well jb um uh had a big old drive this evening uh but knowing you were at the end of it made everything better it was like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow um but no yeah no i'm good we know obviously now we we're now kind of a week or so removed from tribeca so normality in terms of film viewing has come back into play uh though we do have another festival on the horizon which we'll mention at some point but uh, yeah, no, I can't can't complain too much. It is absolutely boiling over here, JB. It is peaking over ninety now, ninety degrees Fahrenheit, I guess, for you guys over there, uh, and it's yep, getting yep. worse. Uh, so at the minute, I'm sitting here barefoot. I do have sun cream on uh, from when I went out earlier with my little one, uh, and I have a cup of tea. So you know, kind of make of that what you will. But it has just started raining. So uh, happy with that. I'm not going to stick my head out the window because I want to hear all about you, my friend. You keeping to Florida safe and well? Uh, yeah, I'm doing my, I've been pretty much just home today. Um, you know, I, I got up and went to the gym and then, uh, came home, got some things done and then I went, uh, grocery shopping, but otherwise I've been kind of chilling. I'm going to make a, a pretty nice dinner for my family. And I got green bean casserole and so, like Ooh. a turkey breast and, oh. um, some mashed, like not homemade mashed potatoes, but like I bought the frozen, uh, like potato chunks that then you mash. So it's like actually mashed potatoes, not like instant mashed potatoes. But I'm not doing the boiling part of it. So, you know, I guess it's a little, it's still a shortcut, but. Um, time so saving, like, John. Time saving. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, you know, um, looking forward to a, a pretty nice Sunday dinner. Um, drinking an iced coffee right now. Uh, made myself. Nice. Um, nice. But I, like, people give me guff when I drink hot coffee during the summer, but I do normally, like, I like a hot cup. And you, you're obviously drinking hot tea, I assume. Uh, 100%. Being, because yeah. there's that myth or fable or truth that hot drinks in hot weather somehow cool you down. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think I live by that. Sometimes it doesn't, but I still enjoy it. <laughs> like there's something about a hot coffee that does work. Uh, it is supposed to start raining here um, any moment, apparently, according to my app. Uh, you know how accurate those things are. So who knows uh, for sure, but it is speculating that it's going to rain, which we could use. It's quite quite toasty today um it's it's a little bit on the hotter end of uh the like the temperature is the normal 90 but it just feels yeah, real hot outside right now yeah but, no, I, um, I can't be dealing with that john with my british pale skin but i will say i think both of us uh we're in a better place than if we were in the middle of a desert um yes it feels like that and i mean whilst we complain about the weather at least there's no asteroids huh no. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Exactly. I guess. No meteor showers today. Wait. Oh, I'm taking it. Come on. We're here for the puns. Let's see if we can rinse any more out of tonight's film. If you're new to the BAMP, welcome. We're going to deliver a non-spoiler review this week, as we do every week of the biggest film release, the most interesting or sometimes the only film release. And in a few days' time, we'll drop a non-spoiler, uh, sorry, a full spoiler or a spoilerific discussion of tonight's film. 
But tonight is a non-spoiler review of Asteroid City, if you hadn't guessed by the puns. Asteroid City, of course, the new film from Wes Anderson, who directs this. He also writes it alongside Roman Coppola. And if, if you know Wes Anderson, if you've heard of him, you know the cast is stacked. Doesn't matter if they're in it for the, for the long run or just for a very quick cameo. But for a start of a 10, the cast is Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Jake Ryan, Grace Edwards, Maya Hawke. And then you can pretty much roll off most Hollywood A-listers and they are in this somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I had to pick a stopping point for the list because I'm like, well, the, there's so many small parts. I think we got most of like the major recurring parts. Yeah, there is a there's a couple which do very much fall into the uh, into the world of cameos completely, and there are some which are fun, which are, I guess would be in a spoiler territory, especially like obviously the, the 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 major kind of twist in this film would be spoilerific to say what it is and maybe even who is playing said role but um the synopsis for this film this is the spoilerist we'll get pretty much in a minute following a writer on his world famous fictional play about a grieving father who travels with his tech obsessed family to small rural asteroid city to compete in a junior stargazing event only to have his world view disrupted forever so uh it's a play within a play or a story within a story we're back to familiar anderson territory now where's his where's anderson films generally do very well critically you know they, they generally do very quick critically and where's anderson has a i think it's quite right now to say he has an army of devoted followers you know he has a legion mm-hmm. of fans who will go to bat for him every time which you know i dig um but have they gone out to bat for him this time around rotten tomatoes critic score 76 percent audience score 62 percent it's less then the critic score, which blew my mind for this film. Uh, the meta score uh, is 75 for this, 7.1 out of 10 IMDb user score. And Letterboxd, which I also thought it was low for Letterboxd, has this as 3.8 out of 5. Uh, and the film was released on June the 23rd, and it is only available currently in theatres. So let's get to it. Uh, Wes Anderson, I have been, I, I, I would say I'm a fan of Wes Anderson. I'm not a super fan. Of Wes Anderson, I uh, like most people love his stylings. I love his auteur stamp across all of his films. You know, a Wes Anderson film, or well, by the poster half the time, or even sometimes by the title, you didn't even have to see a beautiful frame of his shots uh, of his films. But uh, the last few haven't really worked for me. Isle of Dogs, I wasn't a fan of whatsoever, and the French Dispatch, I just felt like you know Wes Anderson was becoming a parody of himself with that film. It just did not click for me. Uh, so I came into Asteroid City thinking, well, it's a cool title. We have the cast. We have everything we need. I can't take credit for this, but I read somewhere that somebody called this the MCU for people who like farmer's markets. And I dig it. I think it's it's a non-derogatory term and I'm here for it. Um, so Asteroid City, Aaron 40 Minutes JB, uh, caught it the other night on Friday as a part of a double header, Very unusual double header, which I'll mention later on. And uh, I was blown away by how this film looks because how can you not be you know this film is beautiful it's it's very much the cliche press pause you can take a picture of every single frame the problem with that jb is that is what all this film is to me i was not a huge fan of asteroid city either has its moments it has its moments let's not uh, pretend it doesn't uh, because a lot of those come from 
the cast. Uh, Liev Schreiber's in this, and I think he and Jeffrey Wright together are fun as kind of because uh, they're dealing with a younger cast and they're kind of very quick quips back and forward. I found them to be quite humorous. Uh, and the cast are all very good in this, John. You know, the cast are, I have no issues with anyone. I think Jason Schwartzman's really good in this. Um, mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright's great. Uh, Brian Cranston and Edward Norton are kind of in their own little part of the story are very good, as is May Hawk. Everyone's really very good, but I just didn't get anything from it, John. It felt almost hollow to me. My big hmm. problem at the minute now of Wes Anderson is, yeah, firstly, it is for, for me, and I, I, I feel you may disagree, but for me, it, it is now just, you know, it is full style now. Full style uh, and substance as well, but there's nothing behind the substance. Wes Anderson always feels like he's trying to say a lot, but it's kind of keeping the answers at arm's reach or doesn't feel like we need to dive into really any of the themes that he's going for here. I mean, and there are themes throughout this. That we're dealing with uh, uh, a grief. We're dealing with trauma. We're dealing with reality as such as well. And also a, uh, a kind of cosmic event, which really turns everything on its head here. So there's a lot going on. And also there's, there's plenty of romance, plenty of optimism. There's, very much Wes Anderson themes and uh, mechanics going through this, but for, they're kind of wearing off a lot for me now. I, I I really wanted to feel something. I really wish these characters had something more to them other than kind of their monotone quips and very sh- uh, sharp, witty dialogue. I'm glad I didn't get those mixed up. Sharp, witty, sharp, witty dialogue, which again, isn't bad dialogue. I'm not going to sit here and say the dialogue's not bad because this is a conundrum for me. It's a very funny one for me, John, because uh, everything about this film technically and the cast is excellent. You know, it looks great. It sounds great. Uh, some really good deep cuts musically as well. Um, and it's well performed. I just cannot connect beyond that. You know, I'm not, I don't get anything from the characters. The, the idea of the story within the story now is it is becoming very distinctive for, for Wes Anderson. And I know it's not just him. There are others, but it, it almost it just feels like a, a lackadaisical way of telling the story and it, it all just feels a little bit i don't know it just felt a bit empty for me i am still surprised that the 62 percent on rt i did expect this to be higher with the audience score because again wes anderson has his fans of which i've you know i'm not, I'm not going to turn around now and say do you know what john you know grand budapest hotel awful Darjeeling at rubbish. Moonrise King. Oh, no, it's not. Those films are very good. And I feel like they have more to say. I just feel like for me in these yeah. recent films, Wes Anderson, certainly the last two for me, is now just looking at how can I, you know, how can I make a Wes Anderson film, but nothing underneath it. Uh, so uh, to not repeat myself more and more, I, I enjoyed everything about this film, apart from the film itself. If I can be so bold, I'm not going to say this is, you know, ass toroid city it's not quite that bad i do like that pun i'm having that one but um <laughs> it just felt a little bit hollow for me and, and in a, the the there's a bit of the end i think other people have referenced this as well there's a chant at the end like a mantra that the that the the cast chant and i thought god damn if i didn't the truth at points but it felt a little even though this was actually shorter than a lot of his films because of the stylings and and the trappings of it it felt long to me john but I can't sit here now. So I was a huge fan of Asteroid City. I love everything that Wes Anderson does stylistically, but I'm getting to the point now where I need more. And I don't think Wes is going to be able to give me that, but um, well, well, I know you're a fan of Wes. So what are you thinking? 
I, I am a fan of Wes. I think it's funny because two of the movies you listed uh, that you aren't going to say are bad are the ones I don't love. I'm not a Darjeeling Limited <laughs> fan. Um, I need to maybe rewatch that one, but that one didn't grab me whatsoever. <laughs> and Moonrise Kingdom, I just could never get past the fact that he decided to make two teenage kids get in their underwear and kiss. And uh, Good point. I've never been able to, to sit comfortably through that film as a result. So I mean, that might be the teacher in me too. Like if I, especially as a film teacher, because if I was ever to like look at two of my students and be like, Hey, kiss, I would be fired. You know, like, so it's I weird. Know, and rightly so. Yeah, right. Exactly. Why I don't do that. Uh, but so <laughs> it's never been able to get past it. I do love grand Budapest. Um, and I love yeah. asteroid city. Actually. Uh, I have been oh, yeah. a big Jason Schwartzman fan. I am one of the, uh, the only Wes Anderson fans that I hear put Rushmore as number one. I, I love Rushmore, and it's because of Schwartzman and Bill Murray that really connect for me. Um, I've watched that several times, and every time I watch it, it kills me. I, I just think it's so much fun. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's his best movie. It's just the one that I really, yes. really enjoy. So um, I've been a fan of Schwartzman for a long time. Even before I saw Rushmore, I've never forgot the stupid OR uh, scrub joke um, that was in the trailer when he's with Luke Wilson, and he's like... Uh, Nice pajamas. He's like, uh, they're OR scrubs. He's like, oh, are they? Never forgot that joke. Like, I saw that on a trailer back in, like, the 90s, and I was, like, instantly, like, that seems like my sense of humor. And it turns out it was, and it still is. Um, I love Schwartzman and Johansson in this together. I think their chemistry is really interesting because they are so stoic and so monotone and... um, I think the dynamic of the theater play TV thing, I think it needs to be explored a little more. Uh, not necessarily in the movie. I mean, but like I need to rewatch it and pay attention because uh, the movie opens with Cranston kind of narrating, like we're watching a TV show about the making of a play and then we're watching the play. And it's like, there's a lot of layers and Anderson utilizes aspect ratio to do that. But sometimes when we are in what I would say is the movie, it still went to the four three ratio. So I, he starts introducing this idea of the the world's blending, which is I think a big part to interpreting how the film ends without getting into how it ends. Um, and I yes. think that's why the audience score is low. Uh, I don't think the movie ends in a way that a lot of general audiences are going to be satisfied. Um, I find all of it super compelling and making. Like I've been talking about the movie since I saw it. I keep thinking about it, processing it. And that's one of the things I do love about it. Um, the first photograph that Schwartzman's character, Augie, takes with his camera uh, is of a mushroom cloud, right? And yes. th- the thing with Anderson, to me, is uh, he's so meticulous that as an audience, he is asking you to do a lot of footwork. You got to think, well, why did he choose to set it in the desert in the 50s at a place where they are testing nuclear weapons? What is that about? Why are our our real main characters are the five children who are there in Asteroid City for this competition? There's a lot of like, there's so much dialogue and it's so rapid fire, but there's a lot of story, I think, in the in the lines that don't necessarily get built upon. Um, Like all the kids experiments are owned by the government. That's said by Jeffrey Wright's character in a throwaway line. That seems like there's room to explore and comment, you know, commentary about things. And I don't know for sure that I can counter your point that maybe Anderson isn't saying something directly, but he is making us look at a lot of things that 
I think are relevant in today's world um, through the, the lenses, asking questions about like the, the standard of the nuclear family is being explored here because all five of those kids, well, they're mostly single parent families for one mm-hmm. reason or another, um, or there's only one parent present. And like, why is that? What is, you know, and I don't necessarily ha- have my definitive answers yet, but that's one of the things that I found really engaging while watching asteroid city was just keeping up with all of it. And of course, as you said, you had nothing negative to say about his style. His style is on full display here. The camera work yeah. is incredible. The set design. Uh, there's a, a f- ongoing motif of the Roadrunner. Um, not exactly <laughs> the Looney Tunes, but I can't shake the vibe of a Looney Tunes set. This reminds me of a Roadrunner cartoon, like the way it looks, the no, cactus and the mountains. Um, even the skyline, it's just that shade of blue. Um, I, I love all of that, like all of that work for me. Every man, Tony Revolori's got a small part, but his, I thought he was really on fire here. He, I obviously worked with Grand, on Grand Budapest has a much bigger role. Um, Steve Carell's character's doing some fun, wild stuff. There's just so many little performances that I was really, really into. But Schwartzman was the one that really stood out to me as being, he felt the most grown up. Like it's, I've never been able to separate him as this young actor, even though he's been acting for 30 years. Um, yeah, I still think of him as young. And here he felt like an elder statesman. And I thought that was a really cool kind of transition. Um, I still see Gideon Graves, you know, from Scott Pilgrim when I look at him, or I see Max from Rushmore when I look at him. And this was like transformative to me, which was interesting because he's a actor playing an actor, you know, he's got that separate, several layers going on, but I thought every scene that he gets uh, is really awesome and powerful and, and not necessarily powerful, like life changing, just like powerful, like, wow, what a performance. And, I had a blast with this. I, I, I'll admit Anderson's sense of humor works for me. Uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely going to p- matter to the audience. Um, if, if his style of humor or if, uh, if screwball comedy, cause that's what this is the closest akin to the rapid fire dialogue is so like old school, like his girl Friday or, um, uh, uh Philadelphia, Philadelphia story. Um, that it's easy to miss jokes. If you, if you're laughing at the last joke, you've missed three lines. I'd probably had, a, you know, a joke a minute. And, um, and, and with him too, like it's whatever is on screen is there by, by, you know, you're supposed to be looking at all of it and there's stuff in the background. That's really funny. The kid who keeps saying, do you dare me? Like, and then it, the camera keeps moving and then the kids dare, you don't see it happen, but you see the aftermath of it. You know, like I, I love little stuff like that. I was just, totally into this movie um i i i kind of expected to be yeah um, i liked french dispatch i i didn't love it um it's i by no means do i think it's his best but i i enjoyed it uh there were some of those short like because those were that was more of like an anthology film some of those stories i thought really really clicked um this is a more traditional full movie and uh i think those two storytelling mechanisms blend better than they often do it it doesn't feel like an arbitrary decision to have the framing device um of brian cranston's character narrating a tv show about the play that then we're watching a movie version of the play or we're watching the play that part's never really clear to me because it's definitely not on a stage yeah Uh, and they break the fourth water in it yes yeah um but and then there's just some some crazy images and you see a lot of anderson's um I wouldn't call this his magnum opus, but like this is everything he's ever done is back in this movie in some capacity. Like the stop motion stuff plays a factor with at least two elements of this film. 
um yeah. obviously the set design is, work as well like kind of yes yeah yeah, yeah. um it's just there's so much uh in it and then you know a lot of his regulars are of course back um minus and, one uh, which uh which one are you thinking mr no, murray oh, oh, yeah actually murray and uh the, both of the wilsons right luke uh, or yes. owen are not in this yeah no no not, not at all yeah which is un- unusual for both to not be involved. Um, although, I, yeah, no, because they were Owen was in French Dispatch, um, and Murray's not in this at all. Which is uh, the first time, I think. Uh, maybe Darjeeling Limited. He's not in it for about tw- for about fifteen twenty years at least. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, because even in in Budapest, he's not in it a lot, but he does have like a major component of of that movie. But yeah. Um, I don't know that where he would have fit in though. Um, I guess he maybe would have been Tom Hanks' Tom character. Hanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which I thought that was maybe an interesting casting, and it was cool to see Hanks in a Wes Anderson movie. You know, felt a little out of place. I'm glad um, it's not just me because Tom Hanks felt like he was, you know, kind of caught between acting like Tom Hanks does and the Wes Anderson styling, where it, for me it is a bit more kind of emotionally distant. Um, where and at times he got it and other times i felt like i was watching tom hanks and not whereas when i see someone like uh or most of the actors in the film to be fair that i felt like i was watching them in a wes anderson film and they fit tom hanks fit but yeah i couldn't shrug the feeling that it, it felt like he was just doing his own thing at times yeah i agree i, I didn't think he was bad but i did think yeah, it was noticeably no, he's not in this. It's not his comfort zone. Like uh, ScarJo, on the other hand, I thought was so in the zone with Anderson's style. Like she was just this stoic, like canvas uh, to paint on. And there's like the the man. It's in the trailer. The like her saying, "I have a nude scene," and like him like stuttering. Like, did I say yes? Just like it, even I knew it was coming. And it still made me crack up in the movie. Like it's just so many good parts. Uh, always, I like. Edward Norton does his best work, I think, with Anderson. Um, and, and and same thing with Adrian Brody. I don't always like Adrian Brody. You're not a big I, fan, are you? I, I like him a lot with Anderson. Maybe not the one movie that he's the main lead, because Darjeeling, <laughs> again, did not work for me. But, um, but, but he does fit, uh, doesn't he? He does. And uh, Maya Hawke, uh, who I really enjoyed mm. in um, Stranger Things, uh, you know, son of Ethan Hawke and uh, Uma Thurman, not Uma son, Thurman. daughter, excuse me. Um, I thought she was really great in this. I, I thought her vibe with the the guy, the cowboy who feels like it should have been a bigger actor. Um, like his, yes. I, I don't even remember his name, but like, I don't know who that is still. It feels like his role should have been someone bigger. It feels like it should be um, the guy that played Han Solo. What's his name? Um, Old Naren Oh, yeah. I know he was a cowboy in uh the the cohen film that now uh, hail caesar but man i think he would have fit perfectly here although he might he's maybe a little older now to be like the same the love interest the kind of well love interest is strong but to be that dynamic yeah. with maya hawk but uh, i think, I think he would have oh no yeah yeah right like he's got uh, i i think he's got that the chops for the comedy and stuff too but i i, I enjoyed this I, I, I wish you liked it a little more. This might be one of those the rare occasions where picking our uh, up or down for RT is going to be challenging. Um, but this is what I'm you get on the BAMP, though, as well. You, you, you clearly really dug the film. Didn't work for me. 
but you know, I to- I I understand why it worked for you, and I can and the things you're saying, whilst they may not necessarily sway my opinion. I, I get it. Do you know what I mean? I totally understand. I agree about ScarJo as well. I mean, like I said, all the performances worked for me. It's just it, nothing, nothing connected, and that's what hurts me the most. But ScarJo, I, I, you know, I'll bang the drum for this all day, even though she's multi, uh, certainly Oscar nominated. I still think she flies under the radar as an actress. I think mm-hmm. she's fantastic. Uh, just too. in recent years with this Marriage Story, even going back way back to things like Under the Skin, where she's just bonkers good, and yeah, so about, much like, in between. She- she has such a range because like under the skin is haunting and an yeah. incredible performance. And um, she does do the stoic well though. Cause in that she's also kind of like blank, like, but yeah. she, but she can bring the emotion. I mean, marriage story, for example, God, as you just referenced, um, I mean, phenomenal, but um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I, I definitely think it's a lot of fun. Um, I can see why it won't work for everyone, but it, it worked for me. Yeah, fair. If, if you're, I think, I mean, the RT score may see differently, but I think if you really are a devout follower of Wes Anderson, and this isn't a negative, I think you will like this. It's no different to saying if you love MCU, you'll love this, or if you love Star Wars, you'll love this. And I don't think that's a bad thing. If you love what Wes Anderson does, there is nothing in Asteroid City which will make me think, yeah, this one isn't for you. Because like you said quite correctly, JB, you know, it's almost like all all, ro- all roads from Anderson Alley have led to this place, Asteroid City, because it is such a Wes Anderson film, maybe more so than I've ever seen. And that isn't a bad thing. For me, I just want a little bit more behind the eyes. But JV, have you got any more to add to Asteroid City before we move on? Uh, no, I think that'll do it for the non-spoiler section. Yes, sir. So we'll be back uh, in a few days to talk Asteroid City in a little bit more spoiler detail, maybe actually about the kind of big thing that happens during it, which propels the rest of the story, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But for now, we're going to move on to our next segment, which we call Chuffed Headlines. Here we both take a movie or pop culture headline that caught our attention for any reason. We share it with each other and we share it with each and every one of you. So JB, what's caught your eye this week? So I, I didn't go looking hard enough for the specific article that I wanted. I just found the most recent article, which is Turner Classic Movies has new leaders in Warner Brothers Pictures. Heads Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi are now in charge. Um, if you haven't seen the news, folks, uh, there is a scare that Turner Classic Movies is going to go bye bye. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, uh, especially the last six years. I, I don't think I appreciated it enough growing up because I was not into old movies for a long time. I had this uh, attitude that newer is better and it took a while, but in the last, I, realistically the last 10 years, I have become a much bigger fan of older films and TCM is often the outlet in which I find it. Uh, nothing makes me happier than hearing Ben Mankiewicz introduce a movie um, when I go to like a mm-hmm. Fathom event or I watch it on TCM and hear his enthusiasm and his the the the, the way in which he presents the information is just so engaging to me. Um, and it would be a tragedy in a world where physical media is slowly being phased out, where we have watched. Uh, in fact, right now, Paramount is pulling four shows off of their network that recently came out. Like there's a star Trek animated series being taken off Greece. Uh, the, the, the origin of the pink pink ladies. ladies. Yeah. Yeah, It's that's That's like, it just ended. It just ended. And they're taking it off their network already. We saw HBO do that, which is a Warner brothers company earlier this year and got a lot of backlash. Um, Physical media is already. Go ahead. 
sorry, physical media guys, give us these shows on physical media. So when you yeah. take them away from us, we still have them. Well, and and then you when you think about old movies, like I just watched a bunch of Buster Keaton movies because the Blank Check podcast was covering Buster Keaton, and the number of movies that exist that do not exist in our world like that they came out they have box office results we we have cast lists but you nobody currently can see them because no one kept logs of films in the 20s and 30s until the film historians started and even then we've lost things and the number of movies from our lifetime that are not on dvd that are not on blu-ray that only exist on vhs and some digital like this is our art this is our legacy and it, it it's not being kept in a way that will be around another hundred years. I mean, that's the, the thing is we talk about these movies from a, only being a little over a hundred years old and there are so many gone already. Who knows? You know, think of like you go to a museum and there's a, a vase from 2000 years ago. Yeah. Movies have faded less than a hundred. And yeah. now we have these companies who are only putting things on digital and immediately phasing it out that's awful especially if for the people who put their heart and soul into those products and you might argue some of these things are are just commercial enterprises but you don't know how personal it might have felt to that filmmaker or to those Mm -hmm. actors and for it to just be phased away with no one getting to see it tcm while not the only beacon it it is a shining one and it deserves to be you know preserved and continue to remind people about these great movies to curate what is available so that people know what to watch where to look what to start with and have people advocating for these classics and more and more classics are entering into that lexicon because what what is our window for a classic now 20 years 30 years exactly so i i really hope warner brothers uh either gets bought by someone who actually likes movies because discovery does not seem to like movies at all. Um, as everything they've done since they've taken ownership have, has been a nightmare. Um, at least in terms of people like myself who are mm-hmm. cinema forward. Um, and TCM man, if you, I like food network as much as anybody, but if you're going to keep food network, we need to keep TCM too. Like it's the, the <laughs> yes. level of importance is too high. Yeah, and look, and uh, TCM Turner Classic Movies. I can watch that on on my satellite, my cable, whatever it is, satellite subscription. It's part of it. I can't do that for something like the Criterion Channel, which I dig and I love just as much. And that's not a knock on that, but obviously people have said, "Well, we'll still have Criterion." Yes, but you have to pay for that. And whereas TCM comes as part of a larger package, which for me is awesome because um, I don't know about I know obviously in the states it's a beloved. Um, uh, Avenue is over here as well. We get Friday Film Club, we get Action Wednesdays, we get everything over here. And, and whether I watch it every day and every week is irrelevant. The fact is, like you said, this is a trove, a repository for you know lost art almost, or, or or art which is on the verge of becoming extinct because without physical pressings or those original um, reels, this is all that exists. And if it was to go, what are we left with? nothing just oh well let's google that film from 1950 that we're talking about because we <laughs> sure as hell can't watch it now yeah you know having a little read up on deluca and abdi who are now heading it uh they, they are they are called you know the mo- some of the most respected executives in the industry they're honored quite recently for, with the pga's milestone award um 
and when the, when they were M- MGM, they were very highly respected. So, you know, that fills me yeah. with a little bit more me uh, too. promise. And I know you messaged me about this as well, but Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and PTA Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, marched into Zaslav's office like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, and The Undertaker back when to Vince McMahon to basically say, "Do not even think about shutting down TCM." What are you doing? Like this is film history. This is art history. And across social media, you know, uh, luminaries of the industry have been also calling on this not to happen because, you know, for, for a lot of those people, certainly the three we just mentioned, they would have grown up on the films that are on these shows or at least the stories of the films if they're not of the age. It's a huge deal, JB. And I, I, the idea of TCM just being cast aside as another byproduct of zaslav and discovery and the absolute crapshoot going on at warner brothers it's infuriating because they've shown that they cannot steer a ship even 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 if in the most calm of oceans they'd still find a way to shipwreck the damn thing because they just i, I don't know what they're focusing on i don't know that i can't say they're focusing on profits because i'm not 100 percent sure they are they're not focusing on content i really don't understand what is going on over there and the fact that tcm is in the firing line uh, I, I honestly don't understand, John. I really yep. hope that these, uh, these the two new um, curators uh, that we have here, Michael DeLuca and Pam Rabley, I really hope that they hear what's going on and hear the calls, not just from the, the, those who work in film, but fans like you and I, John, of film. Hopefully they listen and realise that, like the Food Network, this is a beloved outlet for so many people. And think about the older generations I know. Actually, saying that, my nan, my nan, who is she's well into her eighties now, uh, well into her eighties, uh, she watches TCM every time I go around. I was around there today, and she had TCM on. It's usually a John Wayne film, but every time, and I swear, every time that TCM is on, because that is what my dear old nan likes to watch, because that's what gives her comfort. And that is, you know, yeah. somebody who was around with those films, and of course, we are much younger and still find you know, um, f- f- so much to take from the content of the channel. So the idea of it just being kind of swept aside, JB, boggle, honestly, it, it boggles the mind. Agreed. I-, I hope is not the case. And, you know, like, realistically, too, the thing is, they own most of those movies already. So it's not like <laughs> they're paying. I have to imagine they're not paying to show them. So, like, even if you just made it a streaming service, like like it's already on HBO, so don't don't make another streaming service. But you know what I'm saying? Like if it only became streaming, but you kept like TCM as a packaged intentional thing, but to like say we're just gonna get rid of it, like no, 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 please don't do that. So mm-hmm. keep keep movies alive, folks. Yeah, save TCM. Um, well, my story, JB, is actually still about Warner Brothers, and kind of you know I'm talking about profits and what the hell is going on over there. The Flash. Uh, obviously, we dropped two very good episodes and discussions about The Flash last week, uh, and we kind of were talking about the fan reaction and the kind of dis- divisive nature of the film, generally due to the external stuff. But uh, we've now it's now been out for over a week, John. It opened to a $55 million domestic haul, which isn't good, let's be honest. And it's worldwide box office for the opening weekend was way below expectations but now after this first week or so it has now taken an unwanted dceu record 
in having the lowest box office drop off in its next in its subsequent week Oof. in DCEU history. Now, the second second weekend in DCEU generally has about fifty nine percent drop off on average, which isn't you know isn't isn't awful. It's not bad. You know, you generally expect at least fifty percent drop off. I think anyway, anything kind of into the high fifties and um sixties and beyond is is something you don't want to be getting into but 54 not so bad uh, and um in the last film shazam i had a 69 percent drop off nice 69 percent black adam 59 suicide squad the suicide squad had a huge drop off at 70 percent and wonder woman 84 67.2 because that was awful so in recent the last four films haven't really been doing well but the flash john the flash box office dropped by a massive 73 percent in its second weekend and that is you know astounding how much of a drop-off that is uh only hilariously only morbius has a worse second second weekend box office and uh sony thought fit to try and re-release that on the back of some memes but um morbius was 73.8 for those who want to know this was 73 so it's only just about um beating it but so of course the question is why the hell has the flash dropped so much mm-hmm. to be honest to be honest jb about kind of flogging a dead horse we covered a lot of it on that non-spoiler last week you know everything happening or has been happening with ezra miller over the last few years has rubbed people up the wrong way is it the is it the multiverse use of bringing in cameos for example is nostalgia being um waved in people's faces too much here um is it the younger audience hasn't come back is it the reviews john is it that the film isn't very good because we both thought it was pretty good it was okay actually yeah you know you you, you see i mean for me I, I i think it is it'd be easy to say it's all of them but i don't think it is i think a lot of it is is ds remilliness of it all and i think the reviews have played a part if the film came out to unanimous praise i think some of those who are against its star may have said okay i'll go and check it out just to see um so you hear about this jb 73 percent and huge drop off you know firstly what are your thoughts on that and what do you think is the reason for that i think part i think everything you just said is part of the reason for it but i think also something we also discussed is like what's the point of seeing this at this point it doesn't conclude right point the the dceu in a way that people are gonna be like oh i have to see the finale like if if the mcu ended with with uh endgame or infinity war whichever the last of those two, I guess Endgame was the last one. Um, if it ended there and then started over, I think people would have been fine with that. In fact, I think people would have been happier if it just ended there and then we got like a new MCU instead of like trying to like, okay, well, here's those other characters because I think people like those characters. Um, but we're, we're, this doesn't do that. It doesn't end here. It didn't end at Justice League either. This still feels like setup. Yeah, And we know in the real world, because it's been so public, that none of the setup for this, none of the setup for Shazam, none of the setup from Black Adam matters at all. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure Aquaman 2, if it still gets released, which this might be the, the death knell for that, Jesus, yeah. um, it, it's not going to conclude the, the DCEU either. It's just confusing the new one, which we talked about a lot, like it doesn't make sense because we're getting Blue Beetle, which is in the new DCU before Aquaman 2, which is the old DCU. It's stupid. It's too much. And it's it's people, I think, are just kind of tired of the extended universes for a while. We wanted that. And now yep. it feels like a lot of work. And for 
so far, the payoff was Endgame. Endgame was tremendous payoff after 22 movies. Like yes. it, it felt like payoff. Everything else now feels like a chore. This feels like a big chore, like a the chore that you really hate. Like that, like I gotta pressure wash the second floor of the house, and that means I gotta get a ladder, I gotta get the hose, and it's it's, it's too much. That's this feels like so much effort. And then this movie is like, hey, do you remember all of the other movies that have been made from DC that aren't actually a part of the DCU? And it's like, okay, guys, mm-hmm. like that that speaks volumes to your faith in your own thing, and that we should have just let it die like it's still entertaining i think the flash is worth seeing it is if you're not seeing it because of miller totally get that understood but the movie itself i think is fun i think there's good in it yes the cg is bad i guess it didn't bother me but i also (laughs) know how the sausage is made at this point and like well this is what you're going to get when they've the turnaround and it, it's the only ununionized like major component of filmmaking right now. Cause like writers yeah. are, are unionized sag is, you, you know, but the VFX people, Nope, they're just screwed. And uh, know, it's getting worse. Spider-Verse stuff as well recently where, uh, uh they were saying that, um, I think it was Chris Miller. I think it was Chris Miller, Chris Lord, um, whichever one it is, uh, Miller was pretty much they said you know he was he was working them to death in order to get the perfect shot and was making them work overtime and making them work longer than they expected i mean and then people are saying well you guys made one of the best films in years so yeah oh christ how do we balance this out however you are not unionized people unfortunately you kind of get the feeling that people do push their luck a lot with the animators. Uh, for me, I, I don't fall on the side of, well, we got a good film out of it because somebody had to still had to sweat uh, blood and tears and not see their family or loved ones or anything for maybe longer than they would have liked because they were working on it. So, I, you know, I never enjoy hearing stories where anyone has been pushed beyond their limits. Yeah. And it's a shame. Um, but you know, whatever the reason, it, it's this is what the, I think Gunn and the other dude whose name I don't remember have been fearing. Like, this kind of failure is huge. Yeah, that's huge. Because when you compared it to Morbius, I was like, wow, because Morbius is a bad movie. The Flash is yeah. a solid it's superhero solid. movie. It's fun. Yeah, there's good stuff in it. And Michael Keaton, period. End of story. <laughs> like, he's worth seeing, yes. if nothing else. And, um, Morbius has nothing to offer, really, uh, except for if you're a really, really big fan of uh, the the Doctor, whose name is not coming to me right now. Not Tenet. Uh, Matt, I don't remember anything. Matt Smith. Matt, there it is. And uh, Matt Smith dancing, mocking the film, and whilst he's in it. Yeah, it did feel like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> wild that this movie dropped that hard. I did not see that coming. On the bright side. Uh, Elemental apparently picked up in its second week, or at least nice. uh, stayed steady. And that movie is really good, and people need to watch it. I don't understand why it got any hate, and I also understand why people didn't go see it because the marketing is terrible. It is not the movie that they are showing you in the trailers. It is a much better rom com with an immigrant story that I think is worth checking out. Um, and you get the up uh, short film, like which is really fun and sweet. Nice. And Doug is in it, and Doug is great. He's uh, a good I- dog. I hear what you say there, my friend. And I, do you know what? I saw the elemental trailer in front of Asteroid City, and I had your words echo in the back of my mind throughout. I was just, I could just hear you saying to me, the trailer misrepresents the film. And exactly. I just had that echo, and I was like, right, well, I'm going to watch the trailer. And again, I watched the trailer, and I thought, 
it doesn't you know it doesn't smack me in the face that this is going to be great but I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying in the back of my mind and i'm thinking well i'm excited to see it now based on your recommendation um yeah it's still not like my favorite pixar movie mind you but i think it is far better than than it was getting uh, it was far better than i expected and i think it's far better than maybe it's uh the love it's not getting because it feels like people aren't seeing it i the screening because i saw it a second time the other day which is on my list about to be discussed here um and uh it was a pretty crowded showing but in a very busy area so i I don't know how often that theater isn't sold out because it's such a like populous location so um but yeah so by flash elementals winning good for them um yay maybe there you go. What he said, uh, and, and we're not getting the multiverse isn't going anywhere soon because the report is that Deadpool three will be a multiverse movie, and uh, I wanted to fling myself out the window upon hearing that. But if anyone can put it off, Deadpool can pull it off and make it work. That will be a I multiverse of madness. I hope it's either Deadpool kills the Marvel universe or or Wolverine kills the Marvel universe because that would be fun. <laughs> Or Deadpool calls, kills Logan just for the fun of it, just for the off-screen antics. I don't Again. know. Those are both actual comic book like miniseries that have happened. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. I've seen. I've, yeah, okay. I haven't read them, but I've seen them. Yeah, I've I've read the Deadpool one. I don't remember if I read the Wolverine one. Punisher also has a series of Punisher kills the Marvel Universe. Um, but you know, I think the Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe would be a really fun, uh, and they kind yeah. of already did that at the end of Deadpool one that's where he he goes like into a few different movies at the end of one of them and like maybe it's two i don't remember two now at the end yeah i i they so they're I all kind of two. a blur i enjoy both movies but yeah they're kind of a blur yeah i guess two has more like time travel stuff in it i think but. it is too and you know you know damn well we we're gonna get deadpool from uh was it wolverine origins whichever one it was where his mouth stitched together yeah <laughs> you know damn well that's coming back and he's dying immediately but um well there you go uh tcm don't go anywhere the flash well <laughs> it, it went somewhere quick and no nowhere good by the sounds of it but let's move on then john to media consumption here we talk about the movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours. Uh, whatever we've used to pass the time since our last recording, which was actually a while ago. The so JB, what have you been checking out? Uh, it, it was not only a while ago, but also um, the last two episodes we didn't discuss what we've been watching. Not, not that I'm going two weeks back True. of content, but still, like we haven't. We've been only talking about Tribeca. Um, so I, uh, as per usual, blank check podcast. They just started the Park Chan Wook uh, series. Nice. And um, so they did the, his first two films, which are hard to see and apparently are not worth seeing. And so much so that the filmmaker has like disowned them and wishes people wouldn't watch them. Uh, so mm-hmm. I waited and jumped in on his first official film, Joint Security Area or JSA, as it's often called. Um, mm-hmm. Really like that movie. I had I bought the Arrow Blu-ray. It was my first Arrow Blu-ray. Um, and man, I really enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, yep. Very interesting. Uh like uh, I, I'm a fan of what I've seen of his. I, I have to still watch. I've only seen Old Boy from the Lady uh, or from the Vengeance trilogy, so I got to watch uh, Mr. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and then Lady Vengeance um, in the coming weeks. But excited for that! Um, I caught the Blackening in theaters. Um, not enough people talking about that movie. It's super funny. Uh, it's really, really, really good. If you, it's still playing near you, which that's going to be the hard part. I think it might be out of theaters for a lot of people. Um, but if it, once it goes on VOD, I definitely recommend checking out the blackening so, is it on shutter, isn't it? Is it going to shutter? Uh, I don't know. Um, that My would be, head thought it was, cause it was me. It, it was actually, be. wasn't it? But we couldn't see it. 
It was at Tribeca uh, in person, but yeah, because it was coming out like the week that Tribeca was happening. Um, very, very good though. Uh, nice. I, I don't know for sure if it's going to be on Shutter, but um, the cast is brilliant. Enough. the The writing is really good. It's also very, very funny. Um, Elemental. I rewatch as I mentioned. I, I uh, this also ties into my uh, bloody awesome. But I, I went with some friends and something like friends. I guess I'll explain in a moment uh, to see <laughs> Elemental on Tuesday night. A uh, very late showing, like a nine o'clock showing, but it was packed house. Um, we had to get seats in the front, like second to front row, but uh, recliner seats, so it was okay. Uh, looking up at the big screen is not a bad thing. Had some voodoo donuts while we watched the movie. Oh. Um, very, very uh-huh. good, good experience. Um, then, bit, uh, when bit. I saw, yeah, yep. Uh, when I saw Asteroid <laughs> City, um, I actually went, uh, not just to see Asteroid City, but to also see Past Lives. I had oh, a drive like this. 40 minutes, um, to be able to see Asteroid City. And, uh, I was like, well, if I'm going to do that and this theater also has Past Lives, I'm going to make it a double feature because I, when else am I going to get to see this? Cause it's not coming to my local theater. Um, I am on the, the the definite high end of the the fans for past lives. Um, I enjoyed the vibe of the movie in general, but the ending really got to me. Um, I I've just been kind of thinking about the film since I saw it. I think the performances are fantastic. Uh, really, really like this movie. Um, have you seen it? No, John, I really okay, want to see is- it, but um, to get this JP, get this does not come out until the 8th of september here in the uk oh wow um, that's so weird owen wilson oh wow but i've just re- i've just googled quickly um there is a showing in piccadilly in london it like kind of like the art house the picture house cinema picture house art house film in on the 8th of damn i'm busy on the 8th of july which i would have hoped to have seen but i think i'm actually busy that weekend um, i don't oh, i never man. do anything like as in like pre pre prescribed stuff to do in term other than obviously seeing my kid Apart from this weekend, so I am. I think it's like I'm gonna have to wait till September unless a twenty four feel like mm. sending me a link. Well, hopefully they do. Uh, I really mm. enjoyed it though. If you have the opportunity to see Past Lives, um, highly recommend. Um, it, it is a a true romance, um, but it's not a melodrama, and that's the thing I think I love the most about it is it's very very uh, grounded and restrained. Um, it feels genuine in every way and i really really appreciated nice. that because uh, it, it could have easily been melodramatic or like over the top and it is not that um okay. uh and then uh, my wife and i went and saw the new jennifer lawrence film no hard feelings um which i from the trailers was not looking forward to but i started hearing yeah. positive buzz um towards its release like people were saying no it's actually pretty funny and this is the type of studio comedy that we don't really get anymore and that's true. And it's a, it, we need to see it just so that maybe Hollywood will start making these again, because this one's, it's not perfect, but it's good. Um, I really like uh, Andrew Barth Feldman, who yeah. I think this is his first. No, it's not his first feature, um, but it's, he's mostly done theater from what I understand. And uh, I, I was really impressed with him. I, the trailer, I was not like, I, I thought he'd seem like he was miscast. But man, this kid's performance throughout the film is what pays off. Uh, where he starts and where he goes is tremendously noticeably in the performance, and it's great. Jennifer Lawrence does not always work for me. Um, of course, I think she's good here. Uh, she's she's playing the humor pretty well. Some of the jokes don't land. Uh, most of it does. Um, it is an R film, although it still kind of plays some of the some of the 
quote unquote raunchy humor safe, um, well, safer than other movies have in the past. Like this, it, this feels like it wants to be like American Pie, but it doesn't quite go to the level of American true. Pie. I agree with that. Um, but I did find it to be entertaining and, uh, you know, a, a nice kind of June palate cleanser from the blockbusters, and we yeah. need those. Yeah. No, I agree um, with you, JP. I don't know. Uh, do you also saw this? Do you want to talk about it now or wait till we get to your whole list? Um, I'll wait only because I want to hear what you've got okay. to say about your uh, your video gaming habits. So I did get a PS5 a few weeks ago, and um, I'd been wanting to, for a while to get Hogwarts Legacy. I finally got it, and I started playing it this week. And man, I am so hooked in this game. Um, <laughs> I remember when I first got into Harry Potter uh, back in like I was very late to it. Like I, I, I got into it right before Order of the Phoenix came out in theaters. Um, so that was the first Harry Potter film I saw in theaters. Like everything else, I literally watched weeks before, um, and I read all the books pretty much right around that same time. And I've been a fan ever since. And I remember. Uh, I got really into world of Warcraft in that time because it was the closest thing I could find to like giving me a feeling of like being a magician. Um, and I was really like, I wish I was a wizard and they've had Harry Potter games. They've all been pretty bad from what I can recall. This game makes you feel like you are a student in Hogwarts. Um, to a point where I was thinking about after I was like folding laundry and thinking about the game. And I was like, it's kind of weird. Cause like, I'm like, I, you're a fifth year student in the game. So like what it's like 17. So I'm like a 40 year old man playing a 17 year old character. And it's like, I'm a wizard. And it's like, this is, this is, <laughs> it's weird when you think about it. And I kind of wish I hadn't. And um, nevertheless, uh, I've been playing it when I can and having a blast. Um, I did. I am Hufflepuff as I always am. And um, Good I'm man. okay with that. I I've come to terms with being a Hufflepuff. Um, I too am a Hufflepuff, which is, Strangely coincidental that we are also friends and co-hosts. No, I think it makes perfect sense uh, in every way that we are both <laughs> Hufflepuff. And, um, but like, I, I just got my broom in the game and it's so much fun. Like flying around on the broom is, is incredible. Uh, I also, I was under the impression that it was mostly going to just be in Hogwarts. It's so much. There is so much to explore in the game. I was shook when I realized how big the map was because Hogwarts is massive. Yeah. But then there's like, all the area outside of Hogwarts is like up for grabs and uh, I'm, I'm having a blast. Um, just like pl I'm plowing through the story quest, but just like doing the, the learning the spells and stuff and the, the duels are really fun. I, I really like the game. Um, and then I've also been playing dead Island two. Uh, that one I'm playing on Xbox and I love the first two dead Island games. I know this one's called two, but there's dead Island and dead Island riptide for whatever reason. And then this one's too, they went the fast and the furious naming conventions. Um, <sighs> but I love these games. Uh, I love the, the like, I, I like like a resident evil game, but those games stress me out because like it's, it's, <laughs> can you shoot? Cause if you like use your bullet, are you ever going to find another one where like, Dead Island's more like, no, you're going to kill a lot of zombies. Like, we're going to give you so many weapons. They're going to break, but it'll be fine because there's going to be, like, a million other weapons right there. Like, you yeah. may not have tons of bullets, but you got plenty. Like, you, you, you're you going to find ways to kill zombies. Like, oh, you out of weapons? Well, maybe there's an environmental thing that you can set them on fire. Like, it's it's so much fun to me to play that game. It, it still scares me at times. Like I will jump like the number of times I'm opening a door and I know there's probably a zombie behind the door and it still gets me. And I'm like, ah, 
and like then I'm just mad and I have to kill the zombie in in brutal ways. But um, it's satisfying though. Yes, uh, I I have a blast playing it. I, it's meant to be collaborative, and I have a friend David who's been on this podcast now, so I can say his name. Um, is supposed <laughs> to be playing it with me. We have yet to play it together. Um, I have a character waiting just to play with him, and then I have a character that I'm playing to. Come on, David. The game. Um, it to be fair, he's recently got married, and uh, you know his life is is wild. So I, I no hard feelings, but I would enjoy. Um, we used to game together all the time, and it has been a hot minute since the last time we actually collaborated. And this is not the first time he convinced me to buy a game um, that we would play together, and only to never play with him. Like Gotham Knights, I beat and have forgotten uh, that we were supposed to be playing together. <laughs> not once did we play together. So um, I'm I'm that kind of expecting that with. Yeah, yeah, I've I have. Uh, I I believe he's listening to this even. So, David, I'm going to end up beating Dead Island two without you, but but um, mm. yeah, that's what I've been doing. Uh, that's my consumption. What have you been consuming? Uh, before I get into mine, John, have you made the ta- the tag team on WWE two K three yet? Oh, I have not made our tag. Oh. I have actually not made a creative player uh, on. Uh, I've just been playing like with the legend characters and stuff, having a blast, uh, trying to learn stuff. I've kind of gotten. I'm not fully back into wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. I go in phases like, you know, early eighties or mid eighties. I was really into it. I, I fell out in the like early nineties and then Stone Cold came and I became a huge wrestling of fan course, yeah. Same here. until like Oh three or Oh four. And then I think when Cena first became big, I kind of like lost interest. I'm like, this is lame. Same here. And I came back in like Oh nine and was into it to like, I don't know, 13, 14 maybe. And then fell off again. Um, and I'm, I'm, slowly finding myself really back into it like i'm i'm following a lot on i like instagram and then i've watched like the last three pay-per-views because they're not pay-per-views anymore they're just included no. with peacock and i'm like i can just watch those um and then the game so like i've actually been enjoying trying to like learn who these wrestlers are because i don't know a lot of them so like i've been playing them in the game to try like oh i think i like this guy this guy seems pretty cool his finisher is awesome um yeah. But I will at some point make the creative player, although right now my time is definitely going to Hogwarts Legacy. And I'm looking at my uh, untouched copy of Jedi Survivor that is going to play after I beat Hogwarts. So oh. I'm looking at my unopened Jedi Survivor figure of the main character over there. So, uh, oh, nice. Big fan. But yeah, w- w- it, it, even when you make those characters, John, they'll be on the BAMP socials before you can say, here you go. So uh, keep your ears and eyes out for that, guys. Um, mine, JB, I have been uh, listening to. Uh, this usual stuff that I do, I've been listening, watching Double Toasted, their variety of shows on YouTube uh, and movie reviews and uh, irreverent commentary. Uh, I've been listening to Dead Meat, the uh, horror show about, uh, this week was about uh, The Lost Boys, a uh, fan of that film, and A Nightmare on Film Street, uh, which was talking about The Blob from 1988. Um, that's what I listen to, Jobs. Kind of odd horror, co- well, very, very popular horror podcast about very odd films, more so The Blob than Lost Boys. But uh, JB, I watched a documentary in the last week or so. Another one. I think that's I'm up to four for the year now. Uh, I am. Yeah, we're good. The Gulspong Mystery Miracle Miracle. Uh, Stan Lee, uh, the one about Zelda, break the game, and I watched Hideo Kojima connecting worlds. Uh, obviously the revolutionary filmmaker behind uh, such titles as death stranding uh huge titles like that and it was it was a very good 58 minute documentary it was kind of about the man himself and his process and what how he 
kind of favours story over any kind of spectacle, really, where he wants to play as to feel something rather than just mindless, like killing, uh, which he says he doesn't mind. But if he want, that's not what he's storytelling. But it was also, it did also feel like a backdoor behind the scenes for Death Stranding. A lot of the guests were Death Stranding alumni, whether it was the actors, the voice actors to cast, um, the the musical. Uh, the musicians like churches were on there. Uh, Grimes was on there, which I thought was a bit odd, but I found out later that they were in the game as um, musicians. But then you had, um, then you had uh, Guillermo del Toro giving his two, uh, quite a lot of his two cents. We had um, uh, the guy who did drive the guy who did only God forgives Nicholas um, Windig Refin, who had, I think he helped write that game. He was doing a lot of talking head stuff. And the guy behind the Mad Max films, which again, I can't remember his name, Fury Road dude, uh, also did Happy Feet, I think. Can't think of his name, George Miller. Uh, he was on there as well. So there's some really big names in the world of film, uh, as well as in the in the computing world. But I enjoyed it. it I, I kind of wish it had been more about Hideo Kojima himself, rather than just kind of more about Death Stranding. I think I'd say 80% is Death Stranding, 20% is him, where he started, where he is now. But very very good documentary uh the last of the tribeca films i watched which i didn't mention was a film called cinnamon which starred uh pam greer and it was kind of marketed as a uh as a black exploitation film and it actually it had all the hallmarks of a black exploitation film kind of a contemporary one like a neo black exploitation if you will contemporary take on it it's got hayley kilgore in it damon waynes uh david Arcono, jeremy harris I really enjoyed this film, actually, JB. It's uh, it's about a, a gas station attendant who's an aspiring singer, but, you know, she's struggling. She's for finance and everything. She gets uh, a robbery happens at work, and then she gets caught up with a guy who becomes her partner, and it all kind of intertwines in a really cool way. And the villains played by Pam Greer, who's really menacing. Uh, they're done really well. And it's good. It's got it's got all the kind of trappings of a black exploitation film. Mm. But it doesn't feel like it is trying to be from the 70s or from just really trying to kind of riff off them. Very decent contemporary kind of neo-black rotation, neo-noir thriller film. I really enjoyed cinema. I think it's a 2B original, um, which to the 2B oh. put out some half-decent stuff. So uh, check it out if you can, cinema. I enjoyed it. Um, no Hard Feelings. You mentioned you had No Hard Feelings against David for not playing games of you and that you also watched that film. Uh, so did I, as part of a wacky doubleheader with Asteroid City. Wow, they were different films. Um, yeah, like you, John, I, I, I quite enjoyed No Hard Feelings. It isn't the perfect sex comedy or raunchy comedy by any means. It isn't like from those halcyon days of the of the, of the noughties and uh, maybe a decade or so before as well. But I, I, th- I, I really enjoyed it. Is, it. is it the comedy to bring back the the comedy straight up? No, probably not. But I enjoyed it. There was the trailer really misrepresented what this film's out about as well. You could watch the trailer, and people have done and thought this was just about a woman trying to hook up with an underage, essentially underage kid, which isn't true because he's not underage for one. Uh, and I've seen a lot of faux hysteria online, which really is getting out of hand now from people who haven't even seen the film. Watch the film. It's you know it, it is it's a daft comedy. It's raunchy. It has. Um, some gags in it which were actually do you know what jb the the jokes that i found funny were, were the ones which weren't kind of screaming in your face like this is a funny moment laugh i it was more like the kind of inter- character interactions or the more subtle jokes i found funnier than the kind of major sequences here but um andrew bath feltman i think he feltman i think he's really good in the film 
like you said, where he where he begins, where he ends, is uh, very well done. And of course, none, none of the film's believable, so don't go in expecting any logic. But it's fun either way. Uh, I think J Law. I think Jennifer Lawrence. Um, she's kind of on her comeback after a few years off, um, where before that she was kind of everywhere. Uh, I really like her in this film. I think she's really. I think her comedy leanings are. I think they're really good. Uh, again, mm-hmm. the moments where she has to go big and kind of scream and blah blah blah. Yeah, fine, whatever. That's a script issue or a directing issue. But uh, I think her comic timing is great. I think her comic performance is very good. I'm just glad to see her back. There is a uh, very much an NSFW scene involving Jennifer Lawrence, which I think was really interestingly done as well, if I may say so. It, it wasn't for me. It wasn't. You when you see the film, you know what I mean. It's pretty pretty infamous soon, but it wasn't done in the kind of usual American pie way of kind of doing those uh, raunchy scenes. And it was a totally different vibe, which I found really interesting. Um, if you've seen the film, you know what I mean, but uh, I enjoyed it. Not perfect. I enjoyed it. Uh, it has a good uh, theme going through it. And I think the people who are misrepresenting the film, you know, they haven't seen the film when they think the whole point is why, why aren't people having sex anymore? If you think that's the message, you really haven't seen the film. So uh, I enjoyed it. Not perfect. Had a good time with it, nonetheless, JB. Uh, and I also saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, we went to an advanced screening up in London, thanks to Disney, myself and Luke from Star Wars Sessions. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about that film very soon, so I'm not going to be telling anyone about it. But by the time we have reviewed the film, I would have seen it three times. But more on that when we actually get to the film itself. But yeah, Indiana Jones, Indy 5, I've now seen it. Uh, so uh, was it the big send-off we all wanted? Well, you're going to have to find out. We're going to have to wait and see what we think soon here on the BAMP. Uh, whether or not it's bloody awesome, we'll find out. But one thing that is bloody awesome, John, is you and me and this show. But it comes at a cost. The cost is we have to remain bloody awesome every week, which can be a struggle, but it comes naturally sometimes. John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week? Well, this past week, I was uh, at a yearbook workshop. So I took three of my yearbook students and a co-worker to uh, a workshop that was at the Universal Studios Resort, uh, the Aventura Hotel, which is nice. the first hotel I've ever stayed at where all of the room controls, like the lighting, the TV remote control was on an iPad. Um, okay. That was sitting on a charger on the, the nightstand. Um, it was very futuristic. And if you ordered, like if you needed more towels or whatnot, a robot brought it to your room. Uh, really? A feature I did not. Yeah, I did not take. A, I'm I'm so remorseful for not just asking for more towels, just so a robot <laughs> would have knocked on my door. But uh, taking a picture. Yeah, but uh, they had they had a Starbucks in the lobby. Uh, breakfast not provided, so that's the big fail in my uh, hotel opinion. Like mm-hmm. you have restaurants downstairs, but that's expensive, and the hotel's already expensive. So yeah. um, I did get Starbucks though too many times. Um, Good but, man. Uh, part of the workshop. Uh, we the workshop was nine to four basically. So. Um, it was, we were there Monday night, but the workshop started Tuesday and then Wednesday we left, you know, midday, but Tuesday night we went to dinner. Uh, we, t- the yearbook took, uh, us out and we got, um, Korean food. Uh, my first mm-hmm. time going to a Korean restaurant, I forget what the name of the bowl, uh, I got, but it's like a, a hot bowl and, uh, I got purple rice and, uh, spicy chicken, all these different vegetables. Um, it was so good. Uh, just outstanding food and then we went to city walk which is kind of the outside part of universal it's uh like a there's a bunch of shops and restaurants and stuff and there at city walk is a movie theater and a voodoo donuts which i mentioned that's so we got donuts and then we went to see a movie um which we did not know when we decided to go see elemental 
that it was five dollar movie night, which really yeah. worked out well for uh, for the situation because it was like twenty five bucks for five people to see a movie versus fifty bucks for five people to see a movie. We won, um, yeah. so uh, we were very and happy donuts. with it. Yeah, and don- donuts were more than the movie. <laughs> of course, uh, the voodoo uh, is a it's in city walk for one but it's also like you know people are waiting in line we did the online order and we just had to like go to a little kiosk and pick them up still took nice. like half an hour but it was way better than standing in line because we were able to like walk around the park and stuff um i actually don't know why people stand in line when you can just like i guess maybe i i don't know if you can pick what donuts you want on the app we just got like the voodoo uh sample pack it was a baker's dozen so 13 donuts um and they were they were pretty good uh i don't know that i would like pay $30 again for the donuts, but they were good. Um, Heretic. I don't know they're better than other donuts that I've had. Well, I'm just saying like there are, no, like, no, it's, that's a lot of money, yeah. but what it is, Let, let's not lie on a side note there. J- JB is a good friend. You know, he, he knows how much I love food. Usually the ones that aren't great for yeah. you. And during this, I got a picture of a, uh, a tiramisu cheesecake. A tiramisu, tiramisu is my favorite dessert of all time. And I got a picture of said donuts and I kind of flitted between like Homer Simpson drooling and absolute envy. <laughs> looking at these pictures, it looked great. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the tiramisu, um, uh, cheesecake was, uh, from cheesecake factory. Uh, another place I'd never been before. Um, I've heard of it. But yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was quite good. It was very good actually. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that was what I did to stay bloody awesome is I, you know, I worked essentially and got food. Um, what about you? Uh, I didn't get cheesecake factory or donuts, JB. I wish I did now, but, um, I had a, I had another proud dad moment as it turns out today, John, um, my, uh, my kid, she's very, very clever. And I know everybody says that, but she is, but one thing she's never really cared for or actually really tried is riding a bike. Uh, and oh god damn have we tried we have tried so this weekend got the bike i said you know you come when you come down to see daddy um we'll get the bike we'll take it to the field i've got a big 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 field nearby uh the weather's nice now uh so it's going to be it's, the ground's going to be nice and firm it's, it was beforehand it was all sludgy and you couldn't do it and i think she wanted to ride on the pavement to start with which i get um the sidewalk uh so we went down there today it's boiling hot and it started off kind of as I thought it was going to go on. You kind of get on, go 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 two feet, and then fall off. And I was like, right, no, we, we can do this. I was like, here's what you want to do. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to do that. And then I kind of held on to the back of the saddle, and I said, right, I've got you. Just pedal. You know, just keep pedaling. Find that like kind of that sweet spot. You know, everyone can ride a bike. You know, that sweet spot where you know you've you got it. You got that speed. Find it and I'll keep holding on to you. Don't worry about that. And of course, being a dad, none of that was true. I wasn't going to, I didn't hold on at all, but she thought I was and just carried on going. And before you know it, she's riding her bike and then from, and hadn't, and didn't stop since would, would put oh, her foot down, turn around, look really proud. And there's her dad ju- literally jumping up and down. Yes. <laughs> we'll have a lacing as well <laughs> uh, on, on, on the field. And I said, right, well, don't stop, keep going. And then she kind of pushes herself off and was going around this huge field and, it was that like kind of a relief and elation of like, like now you because it's like right driving a car isn't it John or something like when you get it that's it you've got it now you've, you 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 can do it you know it might be a bit rusty here and there but you know how to drive a car same as riding a bike once you get it you it's imprinted in your memory and I was like this is it's like a big milestone to get over big deal 
And uh, yeah, really proud moment as anyone can attest to who's been through something similar like that with a loved one or even just a friend seeing them succeed. Uh, but for me, the proud dad moment, JP, it was worth all That's of awesome. the sweat that we've gone through for the last few years to do it. So uh, ice cream all around after that. The ice cream man fan was right around the corner. I was like, well, I'm not going to say no to that to celebrate. So I had ice cream as well. Hey, good for you. You, you earned it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and you know me, I'm not going to turn down an ice cream either. So, um, yeah. yeah, two bloody awesome um, ways of spending a week or remaining bloody awesome right there. Uh, I've just looked at the hotel you stayed in. It looks pretty cool, actually. I, I really like the look of it from the outside as well. Um, but that aside, let's talk about what we will be diving into next week, John. We've already spoke about it. Next week on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we will be reviewing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, billed as indy's last hurrah we're going to be there to uh see harrison ford off into the sunset in this role and we're going to tell you as people who have seen it multiple times by the time the thing comes out whether we like it or we don't we'll keep it at that however uh stay tuned for our spoiler discussion short one on asteroid city in the next few days so indy next week Asteroid City spoilers the next few days. If you want to let us know about either of those films or any films in general or donuts, you can find us on social media. Find us on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We're at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, yes, sir. If he hasn't been killed by Elon Musk in a cage match, find us on Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook at Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find us on the Tomato Meter you can do in terms of uh, us tilting the scales on some of those films. Don't have a go at us if we if we go treasure rotten. We just have to have fun. But we are contributing to the Tomato Meter as the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. If you want to find me, let's go to whatiwatchtonight.co.uk and search What I Watch Tonight across all of the socials, including Letterboxd. And John, where can the world find you? At BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms. Yes, sir, and playing computer games at the minute. Uh, go follow JB, go follow everything we do, uh, and also please do drop us a five-star rating and review on your podcast provider of choice because it gets more fa- fans in, it gets us up the algorithm and the lists and all the podcast rankings, and we're all film fans, let's all support each other. But with that, as always, guys, stay bloody awesome. And keep watching movies. Blood, 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 bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood. Blood, blood, bloody, blood, 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 bloody, blood, blood, bloody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blood, 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 blood,